It takes all of us working hard to continue to keep Teak where we know and love and want it to be in the future. You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Teak Nation podcast. Our guest today is the chairman of the Teak Foundation and the number one donor in the history of Talkap Epsilon, and that is Frater Elmer Smith. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Frater Aldridge. I'm excited to talk about a few items here. First thing that I want to do is for our membership who are listening in to get a profile. You, I know some have attended RLCs or Leadership Academy and had the chance to meet you and engage with you. But for those who haven't, talk about the, the question I want to start with is why have you decided to be engaged as an alumnus and then later to be engaged as a donor? We have so many men, as you know, that join the fraternity as a collegiate member, but don't take that next step of fraternity for life and being engaged as alum and don't take that next step in considering being a donor. Why, why did you make that decision? Well, as, as many that will you know, listen to our program have already heard, you know, I, I grew up in, in rural eastern Kentucky and was very fortunate to get the chance to go to college, which you know happened for a very small number of our, of our high school class, and did not know what fraternities or sororities were. And my sophomore year, met some guys that were starting a group or just started a group. And at that time, the university did not allow national fraternities or national organizations on campus. And I decided to pledge, took the uh, the normal hits that we all do during pledging with my grades, and, and got a quick, very quick wake-up call. But subsequently, my junior year, I was elected as the hegemon of my chapter. And then the university opened up to national fraternities, and we had an opportunity really to choose from a number of different national organizations. And Teak was one of, I think, five that came in and made presentations. And then after many hours, and as I remember, four o'clock in the morning through a straw vote, we ended up deciding to affiliate with Teak. And then I was fortunate to become the Charter of Preakness in 1969. And you know, that was a very difficult time on college campuses. It was a difficult time in our country with Vietnam era at, at its peak. And I've always said that leading that group of roughly 70 men was probably one of the biggest challenges of my life and yet one of the biggest honors to have that opportunity. And, you know, Teak changed my life and helped shape my life in terms of learning leadership and what it means and what it takes to to do that effectively. And I went on to graduate, started a career, got married, did a little bit of volunteer work. But, you know, something said you ought to give back to this. And uh, I've told others, I think I remember that my first contribution was $20. And for several years, it would have been less than $100 a year because at that time, $100 was a huge amount of money. But it was deep down that the feeling that we all have to give back to the things that have helped us as as young men and as middle-aged and, and now older men. But Teak has always been very close to my heart. And I've had a long giving history, and, and yet I tell a lot of our young frauders, particularly at the RLCs, that it, it's not so much how much you're able to give, but are you giving? And the feeling that you derive from, from giving and doing things that make a difference replace 
all the economic things in life that we may have. So it's just a feeling that I've had fatigue for 50 years and that, frankly, in my life has gotten stronger and stronger. So that that's sort of the answer about the giving side. Thank you. Can you talk about on, on the alum end the the difference in the number of memories and even the depth of memories that you've been able to have as an alumnus member of the fraternity versus your collegiate experience? Well, the, the collegiate experience, as you know, has has a lot of different aspects to it. You know, certainly the social, the organizational, the management piece. But the relationships that you begin to build there, frankly, continue to grow. I've got a 17-year-old daughter now that is having trouble with social relationships. You know, youngsters can be a little bit cruel from time to time about who they like and who they choose in groups. And I keep telling her as, as late as a week ago, I said, you know, Mia, the people that you know in high school or even that you meet along the way growing up will not necessarily be a meaningful part of your life. You know, focus on on yourself being a good person, being the kind of person that, that others want to be around, and, and the right kind of people will come into your life, and the wrong kind of people will move on and be respectful. So, you know, throughout my life, most of the people that I'm close to either are my fraternity brothers or perhaps work for me. And those relationships have continued to grow. And the the funny part, we talk about Teak as a fraternity for life. I, I've met hundreds or maybe even thousands of frauders from all over the country, you know, people that you knew very little about, and yet you find out they're a Teak, and there's an instant connection there that it's hard to describe, and yet it's there. You feel it. The other frauder feels it. There's a level of trust. You know, I'm in the process of probably selling my business that I've owned for 38 years. And in the course of the conversation, as we were taking it to market, I found out that one of the prospective purchasers is a teak. He's 80 years old. And yet from that day forward, we've had a trust together and a relationship together that's very different than anybody that's not a frauder. So whether you're 18 or 80, the relationship with your frauders continues to build and continues to get stronger. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Let's shift to the foundation, something that you have invested. Obviously, you've been engaged as a, as a donor. And as I shared in the opening, the number one donor in the history of fraternity, you know, over a million dollars. You have been so generous to this fraternity. But you made the decision not just to be a donor, but to get engaged with the foundation as a board member and, and working up through being a board member into now being the chairman. Can you share with our audience why you're so passionate about the work of the foundation? Well, I was invited to join the foundation board in 2007, and this was the same time that an effort was underway to begin to try to endow the RLCs. And my late wife, who was a part of the Order of Diana, she and I decided to endow the Atlanta RLC because having spent my whole life in education, you know, leadership is is everything you talk about every day in, in your work and in your life. And we were excited to be able to do that. And yet, when the first RLC came, she had passed on. So the first foundation meeting that I attended was in Anaheim, California. And I can remember crying all the way there and all the way back, thinking that she didn't have the opportunity um, to be a part of that. But it's something that she and I wanted to do together. And 
the connection to the foundation board at the at that time, Crowder Aldrich was was more important to me than maybe it, it would have been otherwise had I not gone through that. And the level of comfort and solace and whatever that that organization and group of men were able to help provide to me and get through, you know, a very challenging situation was frankly, maybe a little bit of divine intervention, if you will. And we started watching the foundation begin to make progress. And then we had the recession in 08, 9, and 10. And sort of, you know, fundraising was very challenging during that time. And, you know, there's no earnings on investments. And it was a period of making sure that we got through it and held everything together. And we did that through the leadership of Father Greg Woodson, who is a chairman emeritus, is still on our foundation board and, and still works very hard at that and, and has endowed the West RLC. And then as we move through, you know, every spring, whether it's Greg Woodson or Ernie Ernest, we would start you use our spring meeting in April where the spiel would come down that well the academy's coming up in August and you know we want to be able to send seventy two men and the endowment is at this, and the deficit to do it is at this. Can you find it in your heart to pitch in here and help us do that? And, of course, you were on the other side, you know, trying to see how much funding you could get to be able to make sure that you provided that, whether it's 48 or 54 or 66 or whatever. And this went on for several years, I think probably five years or so. And and during that time, I was able to, you know, sort of put my life back together emotionally and focus on my business and business was good. And I made the decision one day, I don't want to see the foundation have to go through this year after year after year. And let's just find a way to end it. And so that's when I agreed, you know, to match dollar for dollar up to a million dollars to fully endow the Teak Leadership Academy, which... I've had the opportunity to attend several, you know, be a guest speaker at several, and it uh, it reminds me of when I was a 19-year-old, your sort of glassy-eyed yearning for knowledge, eager for help with with life and or maybe with your chapter, those things. And you know, this is our premier program. I always say it's it's 72 of our best and brightest. If we had the money, we could probably make it 100. But the future of Teak rests in what we do with our young leaders today and how we better prepare them for the challenges they face, not only in their chapter and on their campuses, but as they'll face later in life. And I can't think of a more meaningful gift to Teak than to the academy. And you know, we're in sight now of finishing off. It's a goal that we've worked for a long time. We're not there yet. We need more help, but at least we can see the end to it. Absolutely. And amen to your piece on on leadership. And I know it's something that you're so passionate about, not just with our collegiate leaders, but something you're still teaching leadership to to adults. And it's even part of your professional career and teaching it to members of your, your employees that you have and people who are in your local community there in Roswell. And once again, we're just very lucky for the fact <laughs> that you are so passionate about it, investing both your time and your and your treasure into it. One thing we wanted to highlight on on this this episode of the podcast is is an upcoming a date and upcoming program that the foundation is leading on and that is Giving Tuesday. Can you talk to the fraternity about Giving Tuesday, what what the foundation has planned and how they can support it? 
Giving Tuesday will launch on December 3rd. And as I said before, Frater Strathman, our CEO, and his team led by Jill, who will, who will lead this campaign, have decided that all of the funds raised through Giving Tuesday will go toward this match. You know, currently we're about $270,000 away from having the Leadership Academy 100% endowed. And for those frauders who may not be aware of all the details, you know, currently the cost for a frauder to attend this four-day program is $150. And that's only made possible through this endowment as well as foundation grants. Each year, the foundation makes an additional grant to the RLCs and to the academy with a goal to try to make these programs cost neutral for the fraternity. And for such a long time, the fraternities had to help contribute money in there to make those programs available and make them affordable. So last year, we gave $110,000 for the RLCs and same thing for the academy. Whereas once we finish off the match, then the the endowment will be roughly $2 million. And the earnings from that will virtually enable the academy to be offered in in perpetuity without additional cost to the foundation or additional cost of turning. That's our goal. So whatever we raise through the Giving Tuesday program, like I said, I will match it dollar for dollar. And I would ask all the frauders that are out there that we're coming down to, to the calendar you're in, tax time. Obviously, uh, the majority of our contributions occur prior to December 31. So as you're as you're looking at maybe your IRA accounts, if you're over 70 and a half, you can make a one-time gift of $100,000 that has a significant tax advantage. And for others, we ask that you take a look at your situation and, and, and help us achieve this goal. We've set a target to try to close out this endowment no later than May 31, which is the end of this fiscal year, and will be the end of my term as the chair. I've been asked to stay on as chairman emeritus, but I want to make sure that you know we afford our new chairman the opportunity to take the foundation onto a different level. So I ask that you, you know, give thought to helping us achieve this goal. And more importantly, help make sure that many more of our young men years to come are given this opportunity. Well, Elmer, you've you've shared eloquently on the RLC and the support for that, as well as the Leadership Academy touched on the foundation and, and Giving Tuesday, which is a great opportunity here on December 3rd for all of our members to get involved at some level. And as Elmer said, even if it's $5 or $10 or $20 to, to participate in some way, is there, are there any final words that you have, any other messages that you'd like to share with the ear of the fraternity? Frauders, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for your past support. Thank you for considering a contribution to the foundation and to the academy. While you're considering what type of contribution you're able to make, I would ask that you also reach out to a frauder that's close to you, whether it be a fellow undergraduate or a fellow alumnus, and challenge them to match your contribution. By working together, you know we can, we can accomplish our goal. Thank you again for all you do for Teak. And we're fortunate to all be part of a great fraternity with, with great leadership. And, uh, and Donnie, let me let me commend you for all that you do. Let me commend the Grand Council for the for the work that they're doing. Some of you may know that uh, Frater James Hickey, our Venable Grand Prix, is a Leadership Academy graduate. 
Foundation board member Frater Dan Pelletier is a Leadership Academy graduate. Our immediate past Grand Preetness, Chris Hansen, was a Leadership Academy graduate. So I think that that gives you some idea. And, and yet we've had over 1,300 graduates of the, of the Academy since its founding in 1992. So again, I would just, first of all, say thank you to every Frater Antique Nation Thank you for all you do on your campus. Thank you for all you do for St. Jude. And thank you to those who help the foundation, whether it's with your time and and helping recruit volunteers. It takes all of us working hard to continue to keep Teak where we know and love and want it to be in the future. So I wish to thank everybody. Wish you a very happy holiday and blessed new year. Well, thank you, Elmer. I want to share with everybody, if you've heard and, and participated in Giving Tuesday, and it's spelled out, Giving Tuesday 2019, we once again encourage you to, to participate in some form or fashion to support the foundation and to support a man full of passion, love, and class. And that is Frater Elmer Smith. Thank you, Frater Elmer, for joining us on this edition of the Teak Nation podcast. And we're excited to see the success of Giving Tuesday for the Teak Foundation. Thank you, Frater. Have a great holiday.